Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Morning, everybody. Uh, It really is a joy and a privilege to be here with you. Uh, Would you bow your heads and would you pray together with me? Lord, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as we meditate on your word for us today, Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is our rock and our redeemer, who has given us the gift of calling us into a relationship with you. Amen. So, um, in the Bible, in a couple of places, we have lists of Jesus' disciples, you know, those 12 people that followed him along the way. And uh, when you compare those lists, you, you can learn some kind of interesting things. And one of the things you learn is one of Jesus' disciples was a guy named Thomas. You guys have heard of Thomas? A lot of times he gets, he gets branded as doubting Thomas because he's the one that doubted whether Jesus rose from the dead. And there's a whole story about that, how Jesus came back and revealed himself to him. But, but in the Bible, he's called something other than Thomas in one place. He's called... Thomas or his, he's also known as says he's Didymus. Now, now Didymus is a word in the original Greek language that very literally just means the twin. And the Bible doesn't tell us why Thomas was called the twin, but, but church history and some of the ancient theologians tell us that the reason people call Thomas Didymus is because he just happened to look so much like Jesus that sometimes he'd get mistaken for Jesus. So, so they called him the twin, right? Because he looked so much like Jesus. So I like to imagine that, uh, that one day Thomas was kind of out walking and a bunch of people see him and they think he's Jesus, you know? So they kind of gather all around and, and Thomas is like, what the heck, I'm gonna go with it, you know? And so he starts acting like he's Jesus, right? And the people are like, teach us something, Jesus. And he's like, all right, the kingdom of heaven is like a ball of wax. And they're all going, What? It's like, you know, you leave it in the sun, it gets melty. And they're like, I don't think this is Jesus, right? <laughs> now, I, I'm sure that really didn't happen. But, uh, but, but, but you see, here's the kind of ironic thing about that. The fact is, that's exactly what Thomas and the other disciples were trying to do. They were trying to be like Jesus, You have to kind of understand what it meant to be a disciple in those days. Um, We're told in in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus comes up to at least two of the disciples, in this case Andrew and Peter, and and, and they're fishermen, and so they're doing their fisherman thing, and Jesus walks up to them, and he says to them, follow me. And they they instantly, they they throw down their nets and they follow him. And and, and when you see that, you're kind of like, well, that's kind of strange. What? Why would they just do that? Well, first of all, this wasn't their first encounter with Jesus. They, they had already met Jesus. They had already started to know Jesus. But when Jesus says those words, follow me, those words had a very specific meaning in that society. You see, when, when they were little children, all of them, boys and girls in these Jewish communities, they would go and they would study every day with the rabbi when they were little. It was kind of their school, Right? And they would learn about the scriptures, they would learn about God, and they would get to a certain age, and then the rabbi would say to to them, okay, you're done, you're you're done with your schooling, you've graduated, you know, go go be about your parents' business and things like that. Except for if there were a few of those students that showed real promise, 
that showed real intelligence, that showed real aptitude for studying God's word, um, that rabbi might teach, keep teaching them, and at a certain point, he might look at one of those students, if they were really, really good, and he might say to them, follow me. Now, now when he said that, that was a formal invitation for them to become his disciples. And, and it meant more than just, I want you to keep learning from me. It, it, it meant more than just, the, the, the student was more than just, I want to know what you know. Literally, it was an invitation to come live life with me, to come live your life like me, to try to be like the rabbi. Now, I have a son who's a, a PhD student down at University of Illinois, and uh, part of being a PhD student is, you know, during your first year or so, you're, you're kind of meeting with different faculty, and, and you're trying to figure out who that faculty advisor for your PhD is going to be, right? And, uh, and I remember when my son kind of called me, he's like, hey, I found this, one of the professors, and he's going to be my advisor, and we've agreed this is going to work. But, but see, my son is trying to know what he knows, He's trying to learn what he can teach, but my son isn't trying to live his life like his graduate advisor, right? He's not, you know, he's not learning you know, what, it, what the guy does when he isn't teaching and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't matter. He's just trying to know what he knows, but that's not what it was like with the rabbis in Jesus' day. When, when you said, follow me, that was literally an invitation into a way of life. They were invited to be like their rabbi. So when Jesus looks at Peter and Andrew and says, follow me, and they drop everything and do it, what they were doing is they were saying, I don't want to just know what you know, Jesus. I want to be like you. I want to live the way you live. I want to do what, what you do. I want to, as we say it, look, live, and love, or laugh. I love that one. We should have thought of that. Oh, <laughs> look, live, and love like Jesus. And folks, that's what we're all about. That's what we're all about as a faith community. We're all about being disciples. We're all about trying to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Let me give you just one other quick example of what that looks like in the Bible. For a long time, this verse really bothered me. This is Paul, and he's writing to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says these words. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And they really bothered me because I always thought that was so arrogant. For Paul to say, hey, I want you guys to be like me because I'm trying to be like Jesus. But, but once you understand what discipleship is all about, I, I get it. What Paul was saying is, look, I've dedicated my life to trying to be more like Jesus, and, and I want you to do the same. I want you to come join me in that task, in that, in that, in that goal of trying to be more like Jesus. Now, uh, as Dave said before, we're, we're in this series that we've been calling Speaking of Jesus, and we're, we're talking about having more spiritual conversations with people. I, I, Dave probably shared with this, uh, this with you a few weeks ago, but there was this study done and then repeated 20 years later, and, and what it showed was Christians just don't talk about their faith much anymore. And, uh, and, and because of that, people aren't hearing about Jesus. The Bible says that, that people can't call on Jesus until they believe in him, and they can't believe on him until they hear about him, and they can't hear about him until someone tells them. That having spiritual conversations is so important and vital. And, and so this whole series, we've been doing it so that we can all learn to do a better job, whether that's on Zoom or in person, or whether that's in a text thread or in Facebook comments, wherever it is, 
that, that we, can, we can have conversations about Jesus. So this week we're talking about what does it mean to be like Jesus specifically in those spiritual conversations? And, uh, and I just want to share three things with you this morning. Three ways that if you want to be more like Jesus and you want to be more like Jesus in your conversations with people, that this is what you can do. Three things. The, the first thing that you need to know and understand if you want to be Jesus in your spiritual conversations is Jesus asked a lot of questions. You know, I think sometimes we think in those spiritual conversations we have with people, we have to be authorities, we have to be the expert, we have to try to share truth, and, and, and quite frankly, I think that's why we're afraid to have those conversations, because that feels uncomfortable, and maybe it should. But Jesus, even Jesus, who did have all the answers, by the way, he, didn't, he wasn't quick to give those answers. In fact, he asked a lot of questions. There was this one time when... Uh, when Jesus was with a group of people called the Pharisees, some of the religious leaders, and, and they had this big misunderstanding about what the Messiah, the, this Messiah that had been promised by God in the Old Testament, this Messiah that was going to come and lead God's people, they had a big misunderstanding about what that Messiah was going to be. They thought he was going to be just kind of a normal human being who would be a military leader or a, 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 a become a king or something like that. They had it all wrong, and, and, and Jesus wanted to try to help them understand that, so he asked them some questions. One day he's talking with some of them and he, and he said, hey, what do you think about the Messiah? Who's, who's uh, you, you know, wh- who, what is this Messiah? Whose son is this Messiah? And they go, well, he's the son of David. The, the Bible had promised that it's going to be one of David's descendants. So he's the son of David. And, and Jesus says, okay, I got another question for you. If that's true, then why did David writing about that Messiah under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, why did he call him Lord? If, if he's David's son, why would David call him Lord? Now notice, Jesus doesn't give him the answer to that question. He, he doesn't say, no, look, you, you're misunderstanding the Messiah here. Let me explain it to you. He just asks some questions to get them thinking, to get them to, to try to see you know, that, that where they were wrong in their thinking. Folks, one of the biggest gifts we can give to people when, when we're having a spiritual conversation with them is, to ask some questions and then just to listen. To, to ask you know, what they think about God or, or what they've experienced in their life. I, I heard uh, somebody say it really well uh, this way once. If you say to somebody, have you ever had a spiritual experience? Almost everybody will say, yeah. Say, well, tell me about that. Let me hear about that. And then really listen. One of the ways that Jesus had these amazing conversations with people as he started by asking them a lot of questions. All right, here's the second thing that you can do if, if you want to be like Jesus in your conversations. And that is when you look at all these stories of Jesus having conversations with people in the Bible, he is always intently focused on the person he's talking to. Let me give you an example. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. One day Jesus is with his disciples and he's been doing some teaching, so there's a crowd of people around. And this religious leader, a guy named Jairus, came to him. And Jairus had a problem. His daughter was near death. She's deathly ill. We're gonna die at any moment. And in desperation, Jairus leaves her bedside. I've always thought that had to be incredibly difficult for him to do. Leaves his dying daughter. And he comes running to Jesus because he believed Jesus could help. And instantly Jesus agrees. 
And, and they head for Jairus' house. And there's this crowd of people, and there's all this anticipation in the air. You can imagine. People are wondering, what's he going to do? Is he going to heal her? What's going to happen? And Jairus is like, come on, I don't know if we're going to make it in time. I don't know how long she can last. And, and they're going along, and, and there's this woman in the crowd, we're told, who had been bothered for many, many years by this disease that caused bleeding. And, uh, and, and we don't know any more details than that, but, but, but we know this was devastating in her life. And, and she believed that if she could just touch Jesus, she'd be healed. And so picture this, there's this crowd again, and everybody's headed to Jairus' house, and there's all this anticipation and excitement, and she kind of wedges her way through the crowd, and she reaches out, and we're told she could just barely touch, kind of like the, the hem of, of, of Jesus' robe, and she's healed. But here, here's the part I love. Jesus stops he turns around and he says, who touched me? And, and the disciples are all like, who touched you? It's a crowd. We're not social distancing, Jesus. Let's go. Come on. We got somewhere to be. But finally, the woman comes forward. And, and, and she admits that she touched Jesus. And here's the thing that I hadn't really noticed until recently. I, I want you to, to take a look at this. It says, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole story. Now again, picture this for a minute. The crowd is like, come on, the girl's dying, Jesus, what are you doing? Jairus had to be going crazy. The disciples are like, Jesus, what, what are you doing? But in that moment... Here's just Jesus and that woman, and he's listening to her story. Isn't that amazing? And, and then we're told he looks at her, and I imagine just, you could just see the love pouring out of him. He looks at her and he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go and do not be troubled anymore. An amazing moment in the midst of all that that was going on. See, Jesus was fully focused in that moment on that woman. And, and by the way, he's going to get there too late. Jairus' daughter is going to die, and it's not going to matter because he's going to raise her from the dead. But in that moment, the most important person in the universe to Jesus was that woman and listening to her story. Now, two things from that. First of all, I want you to put yourself in the position of that woman. What was it like to know that not only had Jesus healed you, but he wanted to hear your story, that he had time for you, even if it didn't seem like anybody else did? Folks, I take great comfort in the fact that I, I know that sometimes I feel like, why should I bother God with my problems? He's got a lot on his plate, right? But I take great comfort in knowing that anytime I need him, Jesus is going to be there and he's going to listen to me. But now, remember, we're talking about being like Jesus. Put yourself in his position. One of the most amazing gifts that you can give someone is your full attention. And I don't know for you, but for me, that is really hard. You know, I've got a list of, list of things to do every day, and I've got appointments on my calendar, and my life is busy, and, uh, and I don't like getting interrupted. I, I, I want to get my list done, and I want to get my things done, and, it, and all of a sudden there's that knock on the door of my office, or there's that text I get from a friend, or there's that phone call, or that uh, you know, uh, FaceTime request, or, or whatever it is. 
And it's like somebody needs to talk with me. And it's so easy for me to go, nope, don't have time. Not Jesus, though, right? And if I want to be like Jesus, I mean, if there's, if there's anything that Jesus would say, look, I really can't right now because this lady's, this girl's dying. I got to get there, right? Jesus is always ready. We need to be always ready to. If, if we really want to be like Jesus, we've got to be ready to listen to people and to give them our full attention and to care about them the way Jesus did. Finally, here's the last one. If you want to be Jesus in your spiritual conversations, you should always have the mission in your mind. Jesus was always trying to move people closer to his heavenly father. Always, in every conversation. Jesus had a goal, he had a mission, and that was to help them know the God that had created them and the God that loved them. Again, another story, Jesus is with his disciples. And once again, he's asking questions, right? That's what Jesus does. And he says to him, hey, who do people say that I am? And they're like, well, people have a lot of opinions about you, Jesus. Some think that you are John the Baptist who's come back from the dead. And others of you think that you are Elijah, the prophet of old who has come again. And they kind of go through this list. And then Jesus looks at him and he goes, okay, but who do you say that I am? And... Uh, and, and Peter says this, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God, Jesus. And, and I love it what Jesus says. He says, he, he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father who is in heaven. Notice right away when Peter makes this confession of faith, Jesus wants him to understand the relationship to his father. And then it's his heavenly father that has revealed this to Jesus or to, to Peter. And, and then it's his heavenly father that wants Peter to know this truth and, and to be active in his life. Jesus right away is trying to connect him to the father. Folks, we have an incredible opportunity. And that is we get to connect people to Jesus. We get to tell people about the difference that Jesus has made in our life, but, but most importantly, we get to listen to their story and look for where Jesus is at work in their life, and we get to help them connect the dots and see that they have a God that loves them dearly. Maybe we need to hear that message more than ever in our world today. You know, one, one last story before I'm done today. We heard it read uh, just a little bit ago, this story about um, Paul and Barnabas when they were in this place called Lystra, and they were doing the disciple thing, right? They were gonna go do what Jesus did. And so that meant they were teaching and they were healing. And did you hear what happened when they were doing that? People thought, oh my gosh, these guys are gods. They started calling them Zeus and Hermes. And I, I love it. it's like, well, Hermes, because Paul was the talkative one, you know? So I just, I love that, you know? And in fact, they were even gonna, they were gonna even sacrifice animals to them. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We are not gods. We're just normal men like you are, but we know Jesus. Folks, that's what we get to do. We get to come into people's lives and be used by God to be Jesus for them. And maybe we'll do that so well that they'll think we're gods. And we'll go, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, not me, right? I, I have a... I have a, a a dream, a goal, a, a wish for my life. And that is that someday I'm going to be in heaven. And, and somebody's going to walk up to me, and they're going to go, now, I know I'm here because of Jesus. 
And they're going to say, and I know you are not him. But they're going to look at me, but Jesus used you to get me here. I'm, I'm not sure I'd be here in heaven if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for that conversation that we had, or if it wasn't for the way that you listened to me, if it wasn't for the way that you showed me what Jesus was like. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome if someday you experienced that, someday in heaven somebody walks up to you and goes, Jesus got me here, but he used you. Thank you. Wow. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, I feel inadequate to the task of trying to be more like you. And, uh, and, and yet, Lord, your word promises that that's exactly what you want to do in my life. You want to mold me and shape me and form me, uh, God the Father, form me into the image of your son, your word says. So, Lord, help me be more like Jesus. And help me in my conversations ask great questions the way Jesus did and, and, and fully focus and listen to people the way Jesus did and, and through it all, point them to you. Lord, thank you for that gift. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.